Uh, we're in week two of the Community Bible Experience. Anybody have one of their books with them that I can have? Anybody brave enough to walk to the front here? Jocelyn will. Did this first service too. All right, attaboy. Good job. Bonus points. Except we don't keep points, but bonus points. Okay, this is uh, the Community Bible Experience, and uh, we're all into it as a church, reading through the New Testament in the book in the month of Woo! Reading through the New Testament leading up to Easter. And uh, we sold out of these, had to do another order. And there's a waiting list. We'd love for you to have one. And there's a bookmark in here that has the reading plan on it. And you can follow along. So we're all on the same page, reading along at the same time. This is put out by the publishers of the uh, New International Version of the Bible. And what they've done is they've taken the 27 books of the New Testament, condensed it into this put it into chronological order because the New Testament that, that we have is not in chronological order. This is, and it reads like a book. And so we're, we're doing this together. And uh, so we're in week two. What we're doing is, is uh, as you're reading through the week, the Sunday sermon will be on something that we were all reading during the week. And so if you're following along with this, over the course of the 40 days of Lent, you will read the entire New Testament. So last week we read uh, Luke Acts and First and Second Thessalonians. In much of our reading last week was following uh, a guy named Paul after his radical encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, before Paul meets Jesus, he's a he's a hater and a persecutor of the church, and he and he and he hunts down Christians for sport, and he watches them die, and he claps and he applauds and he says, "Good for you." Then he has this radical, crazy, awesome conversion, transformation with Jesus Christ. And after his encounter with Christ, he, he goes from hater and persecutor of the church to preacher and church planner and author of Scripture. Paul is a good reminder for us to never stop praying for someone else to come to Jesus. You got a family member, you got a friend, you got a coworker, whatever. If you got someone in your life and you're praying that they'll come to Jesus, never give up. Don't stop praying for that person. Paul is a reminder that anyone can come to Jesus, that anyone can be radically transformed for Jesus, even if they're vehemently opposed to anything even close to, to church or to Jesus. And I and I know people, you probably do, who who before Christ they were, they were so against the church. They hated the church and they made fun of the church. And then they come to Christ and then they're the, they're the greatest promoters of the church. And they're so enthusiastic about the church. And, you know, I've met people who, and I've said this about them, that, that guy's going to be a great Christian someday. He, he's going to be a soul winner. He's going to, you know, he's going to be pumped for Jesus. He's going to be sold out. He's going to be fired up. And sure enough, that guy comes to Christ. And he's like, you know, man, you know, sign me up. And what can I do? And, and, it, and it just, it just happens that way. And those people oftentimes go into, go into ministry because they just, they just, they just want to give their lives uh, 100%. Okay. This, that reminded me following Paul and his transformation reminded me of something else that I want to share with you because I want you to know what's going on. I want you to know what God is doing in your church. And I know that when I say what I'm about to say, that I, I need to be careful with, with this. And, and there's a responsibility that comes with saying what I'm about to say. Are you interested now? I bet you are. Uh, here we go. There is a growing number of people in our church who are sensing a need to do something with their lives that will make an eternal difference for Christ. So that's, that's out there. Several people unrelated uh, coming to me or someone else on staff 
And they're saying, I'm just, I, I'm just got this, this, this sense. I call it a holy discontent. I've, I've just got this, this sense that there's more, that I should be doing more, that God wants more of my life. I got a job and I'm doing this and that's okay and all that stuff. But, but what's it really, you know, what difference is that making? And I want to do something for Jesus that will make an eternal difference. And that, that is rumbling across the, the congregation. So I just want you to be aware of that. I don't know what God's going to do, um, but it's an indicator. It tells me that God is moving heavy equipment into place. That he, yeah, he's getting ready to do something big. Okay, we're catching up to uh, Paul in Acts chapter 16 or page 82 in your 40-day Bible. Jocelyn, do you need this back? you have a Bible with you this morning? Okay, all right. Um, Acts chapter 16, page 82. Paul and Silas are on one of their church planning short-term missions trips. And they picked up Timothy along the way. And now they're in the city of Philippi. And uh, a place that Paul would later write a letter and send it back to that city, Philippi. It's one of the books of the New Testament that we call the book of Philippians. And so... Paul and Silas, what they're doing, their pattern in Philippi is to get up each morning and just go walking around town looking for people to share the message of Jesus with. And they go down to the river and they go to the Tim Hortons and they go to the mall and anywhere, anywhere, like some of this is ancient, right? You just go to the watering well. You just, you just go where people are and anywhere that they can find a crowd that they can talk to about Jesus. And uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts and Luke tells us that that as they're, they're doing this every day, this, this young girl starts to follow them, and she's demon-possessed, and she's a, a slave girl, and her owner is using her as a fortune teller, and, and the owner's making money off this, this poor little girl who's demon-possessed and, uh, and is, a, is a slave girl. And so she, she starts mocking Paul and Silas, wanting them to, to, to get in trouble. And she starts running ahead of them, saying, saying to everyone, you know, kind of shouting out, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. But she was saying it sarcastically. <laughs> She's like, here, here come some people who you need to arrest, is what she was saying, right? And, uh, and so she was trying to get Paul and Silas thrown into prison. So Paul has enough of that, and he has his Popeye moment. He said, all he can stand, he can't stand anymore. And, and, and Luke says Paul was exasperated, right? He was flabbergasted. Finally, he's had enough of this, this girl, and he, and he turns to her, and he commands the demon to, to come out of her, and boom, just like that, she's healed. She's in her right mind. And her owner, you know, he's not happy because he, he realizes that he's losing his meal ticket. And so her owner throws a fit, and the city goes nuts, and Paul and Silas are, are, are taken uh, captive, and they're stripped bare, and they're severely beaten with, with rods and thrown into prison. And that's where we find them in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Here we go. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran, down, ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. 
Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Verse 25 says, around midnight. Um, I, I'm only, I'm 44 years old, but I'll just tell you, I'll be honest. Midnight is the new all-nighter for me. Anyone else? Like, like all-nighters are out of the question. Used to do those. Used to, used to be a youth pastor. Used to, used to stay up all night with the kids. All-nighters are gone. They're ancient history. And midnight is the new all-nighter. So 10 o'clock is the new midnight. <laughs> right? Like 10 o'clock. Like I could do midnight if you said, you know, stay up till midnight and you're going to win a Porsche. Other than that, 10 o'clock at night, I'm baked. I'm done. I, I'm, I'm just gone out of there. And you have to try to imagine this scene. I mean, here they are sitting on the, the concrete, the stone floor with their, with their feet out straight in front of them. And they put their feet into these wooden stalks. And then they drop another piece of heavy wood over their ankles. And then they lock all that up with, with, with chains. And, and you're not going anywhere. And they've just been beaten to near death with, with these rods. You know, just had the, the stuff and beat out of them. So here they are broken, bruised, bleeding, messed up, just totally messed up, locked up. Sitting in the, you know, on the cold floor, praying and singing hymns. That's, 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 that's what they're doing. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. They're having church. And what it tells us, I mean, it's really profound. It's never too late. And it's never too dark for God to do a miracle in your life. So, yeah, that's good news. That's good news. And you might be here this morning. You might think... I, I can't see a way out of this. I, I, I can't, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and I've been beaten and this, is, this has been difficult. And this, everything's closing in on me. And I don't, I don't know if I have any options. I'm here to tell you this morning, it is never too late and it's never too dark for God to do a miracle in your life. No situation is hopeless if you're willing to listen for God's voice and be open to a miracle even in the dead of night. I'm, I'm got this, I didn't say this in the first service, so if you... Um, first service, so hopefully this is the one, we'll, this is the one we're going to put online. It is now because I just said it. Um, it seems almost, no, I don't want to exaggerate, too often, it seems too often that we have people sitting here who are on the, who, whose marriages are on the verge of breakup. And one person or both people know. They're sitting here and they hear me saying these things and they know I'm, I'm leaving. I'm checked out. I'm gone. And, and I ain't coming back. And then we, we find out, we never find out, you know, when they actually need help. We find out after it's, it's, it's done, it's toast, it's gone, it's over. And, and, and hear me this morning, I, honestly, I, this, this, is, this, is, this is not in my notes. This is a download from the Holy Spirit. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Your situation, it's never too late. And it's never too dark for God to do a miracle in that relationship. Even if your situation seems locked up, shackled, sentenced to death, 
we forget the situations that seem hopeless to us are opportunities for God. In, in this book, the Bible is full of astounding miracles, uh, of, of things that only God could do, of, of last-minute rescues when, when, it, when it seemed like all hope was lost. And they're not captured just so we can have some, some ancient stories to read our kids at, at, at bedtime. These are, these are captured so that you and I in our day and age would look at this book and we would say, there is a God who has not forgotten me. There is a God who never gives up. There is a God who will make a way. He has a plan for my life. He will rescue me. He will save me. He will, he will, he will come to my rescue when I call on him for help. That's what, that's what this tells us. When you read of Moses running up to the Red Sea and they got, they got two choices, get really wet or get really dead. And God opens the sea when there seemed to be no way. And, and they, they, they run through. And Pharaoh's army says, cool, let's, let's, let's run through. And then the sea closes in on them and their enemy is toast. That's to remind you that even when you can't see a way through that situation, God can make a way. He can make a way. This, is, this book is God's gift to us to remind us that he loves us deeply and anything is possible when we trust in God. Around midnight. You might feel like you're around midnight in something right now. And as I mentioned, a marriage situation, it could be a financial situation, it could be raising teenagers. Hello? <laughs> All the teenagers are like, what? Well, I, don't, I don't get it. It could be a relationship with a friend. It could be a health scare. We have several of those in, 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 in a church our size. Every week, there are health scares or health realities. That, that could be you right now. And the light seems gone and darkness is closing in. And around midnight means don't stop praising God. That's what around midnight means. It means don't let the darkness scare you. Don't let it blanket your hope. Uh, King David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23, I will fear no evil. In fact, if the situation gets darker, you get louder. You get louder and you just keep praising and you just keep praying. You say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I kick you in the teeth. Get out of here. And you just, you just don't give up. Don't surrender. You keep praying. You get louder as the darkness closes in on you. Raise your voice to Jesus and decide that you're going to, to praise God when you don't see a way out. Praise God when the world thinks it has you trapped. Praise God so that people around you who, who are also in chains and they're, they're bound by the junk of this world, that they will see your faith in God and they'll listen and they'll want to know more about the hope that you have inside of you. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Verse 26, God shakes things up. And I say, God, come this morning. Come right now to Moncton Wesleyan and shake us up. Shake Tim Guptill up. Shake us and wake us for your glory. Shake us to our foundation. Open up the doors that, that we've closed, the doors that are holding us back, the prison bars, the locks, the chains. Break us free from complacency. Break us free, Lord. Shake us loose. Shake us loose from the, from the stuff of this world that, 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 that snares us and it traps us and it, and it holds us down. 
Consumerism, bigger jobs, more money, more stuff, bigger homes, newer cars, keeping up with the neighbors, creating... We, we had some, if you don't know your neighbor's name, why do you even try to keep up with them? It's craziness. Creating an image for ourselves that looks nothing like the image you want us to be. Break us free from the infliction of self-centeredness. Help us to see the people all around us who are in their own prisons and they desperately need to be set free in Jesus. I, I, this guy right here, me, I want to be shaken for Jesus. I want to be awakened by his Holy Spirit. Is there anyone here this morning who wants Jesus to shake them and wake them up and set them free in Jesus' name? This, I'm preaching this way better than I did in the first service, Dave Way. He sat through the first. I'm sorry you had to sit through that in the first service. Can I mention prayer meetings at seven? Wake us from our complacency. Last week we said that your brokenness is your openness. Today's word is this. Pray through until God comes through. Pray through until he comes through. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. <laughs> Anybody from the 80s? Oh, all right, Journey fans, awesome. I'm praying that God will shake us to our foundation, that God will set people free to follow him like never before. I'm praying that we see greater miracles and we tell bigger stories than, than ever. I mean, I'm believing that, that in 2014, that God will do stuff that you'll be telling your grandkids about. You'll be saying, oh, man, you, sh- you should have seen it. It was incredible. It was, it, was, it was mind-blowing what God did in our church, what God did in Atlanta, Canada in 2014. I'm praying for people who haven't moved a spiritual inch in 30 years. Years, 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 years. I'm praying that God would heal like never before. I'm praying that God will call people to missions and ministry like never before. I'm praying for all of us to give like never before. Give, 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 give. Like never before. Honestly, that, that you'll take a step up. Say, God, oh, here we go. I'm, I'm going to trust you in this, and I'm going to take a step up. And frankly, I'm praying there are a few of you out here who are very capable of, of, of really getting behind this significantly and, and really making large... There are some of you out there who could make large-scale donations that could help Moncton Wesleyan reach its mission, accomplish its vision of reaching lost souls for Jesus Christ in this city. There are some of you out there who could do that, and I'm, I'm praying that God shakes you and wakes you and says, go ahead, go ahead, trust me. And, uh, and it'd, be, it'd be awesome, honestly. And it, you're, you're thinking, yeah, easy for you to say. It really will. We could tell bigger stories. And we could say, look what God did in 2014. I'm, I'm believing that for sure. Pray through until God comes through. May God shake and awaken the church in Atlanta, Canada to the point that the entire world has to stop and take notice. That's... Atlanta, Canada, does anything... It's like Nazareth, right? Does anything great ever happen in Atlanta, Canada? You know, what can come out of Atlanta, Canada? Wouldn't it be cool if, if, if God did something so amazing, so mind-blowing, that the entire world was saying, what is going on in Atlanta, Canada? What is God doing in Atlanta, Canada? Like, 
I believe, I believe that, that revival could break out here and that God could do incredible things, that, that the story in Atlantic Canada wouldn't be, wouldn't be oil or fish. It'd be Jesus. I believe that. And fish. Lobster, if you really want to know. Verse 20, the second part of verse 26. Uh, did it. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. When the chains fell off, the prisoners didn't escape. Why? Right? You're, you're a criminal. You're, you're a murderer. Whatever. You're in there for a reason. And you don't want to be there. And the door swings open. And the chains fall off. And you don't move. And you stay right there. Why? Why, why would they do that? A couple reasons that I could think of. One... They knew it would cost the jailer his life. If I leave, he's dead. And two, I think they, re- they knew that God had, God had set them free. They remember now, Paul and Silas were having church. And these guys were listening to the prayers. And they were listening to the hymns. And I believe God was changing them. Otherwise, they would have bolted as soon as that door opened. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And just gone. But they don't. They just sit there. Even if they remained incarcerated, even if they get locked up again, God had set them free, and that's the only bondage that really matters. If you're free in Jesus, it doesn't matter what the world does to you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. If you're free in Jesus, you are really free indeed. Verse 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed, of course, that the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. Paul shouted out to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're here. Now imagine you're the jailer, you're awakened by an earthquake in the night and you run to the prison and as you're running, you're thinking, if they're gone, I'm, de- I'm gone. If they're gone, I'm dead. And if they're there, I get to live. That's the deal. If you lose a prisoner, you lose your life. His life and his family's livelihood depend on the prisoners not running. And so he gets there And there's just enough light that he can see that the the door had broken open, but not enough light that he can actually see inside the cell, inside the dungeon, right? And so he just assumes they're gone, and so I'm going to get my sword, and I'm going to follow my sword, and that's going to be it. And Paul can see the jailer taking out his sword to fall on it. Paul's sitting in the dark, and he hollers out to him, No, stop, 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 stop. Don't, Don't do it. We're here, we're here, we're here. And again, Moncton Weston, hear me shouting this morning. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Just because you can't see it, the jailer couldn't see it. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it isn't there. God could have a miracle waiting for you. God might be ready to do something so totally mind-blowing that it will change your life forever. Don't give up. The miracle of the earthquake and the miracle of the free prisoners staying behind essentially giving their lives for the jailer, saying, saying, you know, we don't want you to die. We'll stay, we'll stay incarcerated right here. Those two things, those, those extreme acts of love and kindness broke through the darkness in the jailer's life. And immediately he saw his need of Jesus. 
Immediately he recognized that Paul and Silas is God, is the one true God. And immediately the jailer falls to his knees in verse 30. It says, and he, and he just says to Paul and Silas, he drops to his knees and says, what must I do to be saved? So the miracle of the earthquake and the, the other miracle was the, the, the prisoners not running. Those two things helped the jailer's eyes to open up. And he saw Jesus like never before. Look at Paul's reply in verse 31. Uh, The jailer says to him in 30, What must I do to be saved? Paul replies, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Paul didn't say, well... Let's see, uh, we're going to have a group this week and you need to come for three or four months and we'll, we'll see how you're doing. Paul didn't hand him like this long list of rules. Oh, you want to be saved. Yeah, here you go. Here's this long list of rules. Paul didn't say, you need to, you need to eat like us or you need to, to act like us or you need to dress like us. He didn't have to go through a course or through a class or jump through any hoops. They didn't give him a long list of rules. They simply said, believe, believe. That Jesus is God's son, born of a virgin, died on a cross for your sin, and rose again. God simply wants you to believe in his son. And when you cross that line of faith, when you believe, and that could happen for people here this morning, where you say, okay, I'm ready to believe in Jesus Christ as God's son. When you, when you cross that line of faith, that Jesus will, will, will begin a relationship with you. He'll come into your life. He'll save you from your sin. And you'll, uh, he'll, he'll start to help you uh, follow him and understand what it means. You and your whole family. Um, I, I just wish that everyone here this morning, I wish that we could picture whole families coming to Jesus. I just wish that we could, we could just imagine what it would be like for whole families to show up here on Sunday morning and for the whole family to say, what must we do to be saved? And for the whole family to believe and follow Jesus Christ. How exciting that would be. That's why we do what we do here at Moncton Weston. So setting Paul and Silas free, that took a miracle. Setting the jailer and his family free, that took the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the middle of the night, Paul and Silas led the jailer's family to Jesus. And Luke tells us, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Luke says that they were immediately baptized. Now, here's, a, here's another one of my goals. I'd love to see a day, and maybe we're not that far away from it. I'd love to see a day when people who come to Jesus on a Sunday, like this Sunday, are baptized next Sunday. That'd be cool. About 10 of you like that idea. Okay, that's all right. Uh, One of the things that stood out to me in our reading last week was how people were immediately baptized. Uh, They heard the message, they believed, and then Paul says, okay, we're going to baptize you right now. Uh, There was even one group that Paul met, and, and, uh, and he said to them, you know, were you baptized? And they said, yes, in John. They hadn't yet heard the good news about Jesus. And, uh, and Paul says, oh, well, well, then you're going to be baptized in Jesus. And so down they went again. And uh, Paul baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, 
even if they were Jewish and had already been dedicated in the temple, even if their previous faith had some type of dedication or water baptism, when they came to Jesus, even as adults, they were baptized again. My wife was, was christened, was water christened, sprinkled as, a, as an infant in a Wesleyan church. Rare, but it, but it happens. But when she, when she was older and she made the decision for herself uh, to follow Jesus, then she, was, then she was baptized. If you were christened as a child and later in life you start to understand who Jesus really is and you make a decision for yourself to believe in Jesus, I think you should be baptized. And I, and I think the Bible teaches that. I think we see that happening in the book of Acts uh, that we read last week. Um, now, this is an honest concern. Sometimes people come to us and they say, well, my, my, my family is, is, is a little concerned about me wanting to be baptized again. My family feels like I'm, I'm actually running away from, from my faith. Or my family thinks I've, you know, I've joined some bunch of nut jobs. And you're know, like, like, what are they doing, right? Because people don't understand. And that's valid. That's valid. I would say that you're not turning your back on everything you learned as a child. You aren't discounting what your family did for you. You're simply taking your faith one step further. That's how I would explain it. If your family has christened you as a child in the Christian faith, and it doesn't matter if it was Catholic or Anglican or United or uh, Presbyterian or Wesleyan or whatever, and we're, I mean, that's us, right? We're all over the place. We're a church mutt, right? We, we come from a, from a lot of different, different backgrounds, um, even if you were, you were baptized or christened as a child, but you come to faith in Jesus Christ later in life, um, I believe that you should follow Jesus', Jesus example and be baptized uh, in his name. Now, baptism doesn't save you, okay? Baptism is a sacrament, and uh, that can be, it's something that can be very meaningful to you. Baptism is a step of obedience uh, that God... Often he, he uses it as a way of just kind of just kind of sealing in your heart the decision that you've made to follow him. Uh, for a lot of people, they would say that, that the moment of baptism is something that they'll never forget, something that they go back to in times of, of, of struggle, difficulty, when your faith is being challenged and you go back to your baptism and you remember what it, what it felt like and, and uh, what God did in that moment. I can't promise you how you'll feel when you, when you come up out of the water. Um, I don't know. It's different, different for different people, but, but obviously a lot of people say, you know what? Uh, it was an exhilarating experience and it's something that I'll never forget. Baptism is an outward demonstration of an inward transformation. Outward demonstration of an inward transformation. It's, it's, it's symbolic of Jesus dying for us, lowering himself, becoming a servant, and offering his life for us. The water of baptism reminds us that nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins. And, and you're made clean. You're reminded, yeah, that, that's good. You're reminded... That, that, God, that Christ has power washed your soul. He's given you a brand new life. And just as Jesus was, was resurrected, as you're coming up out of the water, you're, you're reminded that, that you are saved, that you are changed, that you've been redeemed, that the old you is gone, that you're washed away, and that you'll spend eternity with him. Last year, we did a giant uh, outdoor baptism service, and, uh, and it was pure awesome sauce right from... One to 101. We baptized 101 people. 
out here in the parking lot. It was crazy. One of the all-time highlights uh, of my ministry that I'll never, ever forget, it was crazy, awesome, glory, hallelujah, shouting ground off the charts, mind-blowing, look what God did. It was insane. Um, that was cool. But baptism is not, it's not about breaking records. It's about, it's about people who have broken chains. It's about Christ breaking chains in our lives, about setting people free. It's about, it's about new life in Jesus Christ. That's what it's really about. It's not like, well, we did 101 last year. We're, this year we're going to do 105. You know, that's breaking a record. Baptism is about you. It's about individuals and your decision to follow Jesus and to be baptized. So that's your baptism class. You just had it. Okay, there you go. You just had your baptism class. And if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you're ready to be baptized. Now, don't panic. The water, the, the tank's not full right now. Uh, but it will be soon. And sometime between now and Easter, we're going to have a baptism service. And uh, I believe that there are several people here this morning who, who need to be baptized and follow Jesus in that, that step of obedience. Um, the cards up here on, on the stage are from first service this morning, and we're going to do this again this service. I'm going to ask you to take a Connect card. And there may be people here, there probably are people here who have not yet made a decision to even believe in Jesus. And that might be what you need to do here in the next few moments of this service. I'm going to, I'm going to lead you in that. And you can just simply say, Jesus, I believe you are God's son. And I believe you came to this earth to die on a cross for my sin. And, and I want to trust you with my life right now. And I want to live for you and follow you and serve you with the rest of my life. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray that. And then those of you who, who either are coming to Jesus for the first time this morning, or those of you who have been followers of Jesus, and you've not yet been baptized in your, in your faith of believing and following Jesus, I'm going to ask you to take one of these right now and start filling it in and put your name on it. Give us some information and just write the word baptism. If you prayed to receive Christ today, then, then check that off and let us know that you prayed to receive Christ. And give us a way to contact you. And we're going to, we're going to get in touch and let you know about uh, sometime between now and Easter, we're going to do a baptism service. Now, for full disclosure, this is, this is what I'm going to do just so nobody feels tricked into anything, okay? Um... I'm going to pray with us, and then uh, Tim's going to come out and lead us in a song. And we're just, going to, we're just going to pause and give people time to reflect on this and to make their decision. And then if, you're, if you've prayed to receive Christ this morning, or if you want to be baptized, what I'm encouraging you to do this morning, because I think this will be helpful to you, I'm encouraging you to take a step today and walk out from your chair and bring this card down to the front and place it here on the stage. Just, 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 it's just something symbolic. That's all it is. I think stepping out right now will help you step out later when it's time to be, time to be baptized. And, um, and like I said in first service, if there's one person, we'll celebrate. And if there's 50 people, we'll celebrate. And we'll, this will never get old. We'll never get tired of seeing people uh, commit their lives to Jesus Christ. This is why we do what we do. Let's pray together. Jesus, I know you're alive and I know you're here right now and I know, God, that you're speaking to hearts. And Lord, for anyone who's here who's, who recognizes their need for you, that they, they've, they've 
not yet taken that step of faith to simply say, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. God, I pray that you give them the courage just to say that right now and, and to simply invite you to come into their life. Say, Jesus, I believe you are God's son, that you came to this earth, born of a virgin, died on a cross for my sin, and you rose again, and you're here right now, and I'm inviting you to come into my life right now, and I won't hold anything back. And, and, and Jesus, thank you for, for forgiving me of anything that I've ever done that has separated me from you. Thank you for loving me today, giving me this opportunity. Thank you for your presence in my life that I know uh, I, will, I will walk with you, I will follow you until the day I die, and then I'll spend eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus, for making me your child in this moment, right now. I know that heaven is rejoicing right now as I make this decision. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. And for those of you who, who have not yet taken this step of baptism, Lord, I pray that you would give these folks the courage courage right now at this moment just to say, Jesus, I'm all in and, and I will follow you in this act of obedience and I will be baptized. Give them the strength and courage to put their name and some information and write baptism on this card. And uh, God, we will celebrate with them when they step into the water and uh, take this, this great act, this great step of faith in their journey with you. So God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.